Welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And uh, hey, George, what, what yeah. are we going to do next week? Well, I don't know. It depends on the time. What do you, what do you mean on the, on the time? Well, I don't know. I mean, apparently there's a lot going on next week, but uh, you know, we were promoting our live from the interwebs show, our 61-week anniversary, and apparently we got called out. We did get because, called out. Yeah. Which is what this happened once in the you know our sixty one episodes sixty episodes so that's not bad yeah I mean there's a first time for everything and mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. this is the first time for that listen we didn't realize that daylight saving time is literally the day before our live from the interweb show so maybe maybe when we use abbreviations for Eastern time and and Pacific time we use the wrong letter okay so maybe maybe. I'm not going to own up to it, but if your name rhymes with Snaitlin B, then we're sorry, okay? We're Very sorry. sorry. Very anyway, sorry. if you want to listen to our live show, which is next week, if you're listening to this on time, uh, Monday, March 11th at <laughs> 9.30 p.m. Walt Disney World time, 6.30 p.m. Disneyland time. Uh, we're going to be doing it next week. It's going to be great. You can go to communicorweekly.com to uh, find the link uh, to it, or you can go to livestream.com slash communicorweekly, where the show is actually going to be. Um you can listen for free. Um, I think to participate in the chat, because we will be interacting with you, you have to mm-hmm. sign up for a free account. So I would do that now so you don't do it and miss out on the show next week because we have a lot of fun stuff, great history. Um, oh, and snacks. We we'll have, have snacks. Sna- well, we'll have snacks. They will. We'll I mean, have snacks. you guys yeah. can have snacks too. You'll just have to tell us what you're eating. Um, but we also have a big announcement as well. So that'll be a lot of fun. Two so, big announcements, right? Uh, actually, yeah, two big, well, hopefully two big announcements. Hopefully, hopefully. That's right. That's hopefully. right. But again, communicoreweekly.com, uh, go to the events page or facebook.com slash communicoreweekly or livestream.com slash communicoreweekly. A lot, a lot of communicoreweeklies. Hey, that's the way the world needs to be. Yes. Yes, it does. It's time for Disney History. So what had been a landmark uh, Johann Weiss novel in 1812 and a blockbuster Disney adventure film in 1960 became the world's most elaborate treehouse in 1962 at Disneyland. And of course, I'm talking about the Swiss Family Robinson treehouse. So Disney was looking for something to complement the Jungle Cruise, which had been operating as Adventureland's only high-profile attraction since uh, the park opened in 1955. And after the success of the film, it was decided that the Swiss Family Treehouse would be a really clever addition to the northern border of Adventureland uh, when guests round the corner to uh, Frontierland. And it also would give guests a a good chance to explore the treehouse from the film for themselves, up close and personal, and really get to feel what it was like to live in a treehouse on an island in the middle of a Disney theme park. I was going to say, yeah, uh... On a treehouse in the middle of Disneyland. So the uh, the, the treehouse opened as a B-ticket walkthrough attraction. 
And it took its design and decor from the Swiss Family Robinson movie sets and props, which included items that were salvaged from the Robinson sinking ship and the homemade creations that were fashioned from the various the jungle materials. It included a library, of course, you gotta have a library, a kitchen, private rooms, and viewing platforms. All of this was furnished and functional as if the family actually did live there. Uh, you were able to view all this using the 139 steps on the wooden stairways throughout the treehouse. That's a lot of steps. That's, a lot of steps. That's more than an AA meeting. So, but um, bum, zing. Sorry for you guys in AA out there. We we appreciate your hard work. Anyway, so I the most memorable thing about the treehouse was the ingenious water delivery system that lifted hundreds of gallons of water per hour to the upper levels uh, using pulleys, bamboo dippers, and bamboo shoots. And Throughout the tour, the uh, lively Buddy Baker composition from the movie, the Swiss Capoca, served as the background music. And I am not going to hum or whistle this song. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry. So, yeah, uh, moving along, moving along, nothing to hear here. Nothing to hear here? There usually exactly. isn't, as long-time <laughs> listeners know. <laughs> Man, we're full of zingers And almost as impressive as the treehouse itself was the tree it was made upon. Officially known as, I gotta check my notes here because I'm never gonna say this right, Disneyodendron, no, Disney, yeah, Disneyodendron, Semper Florens, Grandis. I'm, I'm gonna say you did that correctly. I have no Good. idea if you did, Good. but I'm gonna say yes, you did. Um, I didn't take Latin, so, uh, which that translates into big, ever blooming Disney tree. Where's the other one? It, well, Disney World. What? Okay. Good. You confused I'm, me there I'm for a second. There. I was like, wait a minute, sure. that's, that's an obvious. I was like, wait a minute. Well, there's technically two at, at Walt Disney World, but that's, that's true. That's, that's true. true. Anyway, that's go true. on. Uh, somewhere in America. Um, <laughs> so Point, it, it was George given, that, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> given that big Latin name by its designers. Uh, the massive steel and concrete structure rose 70 feet over the jungle and spread brilliant colored branches 80 feet in width. And that's a direct quote, according to the Disneyland 1964 souvenir book. <laughs> I like the books. Uh, and yes, that does mean that the tree was longer than it was tall. It was longer on the inside? Yes, it was. That, that really that made no sense whatsoever. Forget it. That's I'm, okay. Don't worry about that. Any, any Doctor Who reference is good. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. So underneath the tree itself was the foundation of its roots quote unquote which which drove another 42 feet downward and helped hold up the 150 ton structure which is an awful lot of tree so mm -hmm. there was 300,000 leaves that were covered the tree and they were all artificial and reddish in color until they faded in the harsh sun and then eventually were replaced by green plastic instead and of course true to the robinson's uh, heritage a swiss flag flew from the top of the very the very top of the tree the, the film stars were on hand for the dedication, which featured a hand-painted sign in the Jungle Lookout that welcomed guests with the following inscription. In this compound, we often pause to contemplate our small world. Here adventure beckons. With every view and every sound, the jungle and its river call out their mystery. Invite us to new discovery. Now, that jungle and river alluded to in the description were actually visible from the treetops of the, the treehouse because it afforded a spectacular view of Adventureland and the rivers of America. Now, as cherished as the treehouse was for almost four decades, it got a dramatic makeover in 1999 and reopened as Tarzan's treehouse. 
Um, there's a couple souvenirs that have been retained in the, the new Tarzan thing and as a tribute to the Departed Robinsons, including a version of the Swiss Capoca at the ex and the, uh, the exit of the ride, or the attraction, it's not a ride, I'm sorry. Um, even though it doesn't exist at Disneyland anymore, the Swiss Family Treehouse still has homes in Florida, Japan, and also France, so you can still visit it there without Tarzan hanging out. And scaring you. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. So this week is Walt Disney's Mickey Mouse, The Race to Death Valley, Volume 1, by Floyd Gottfordson, published in 2011 with 260 pages. Um, every once in a while, a book comes along that is simply spectacular. And this collection of comic strips by Floyd Gottfordson is a perfect example of how to present, analyze, and reconstruct subject matter that is viewed differently today. The series editors pull no punches in discussing why Mickey was carrying a gun or the use of slang that is noticeably offensive by today's standards. This is a wonderful vehicle for presenting historically accurate art. Uh, other companies, including Disney themselves, should take notice of how they did this subtle jab at the unreleased subtle song of the jab. South. subtle jab well not subtle now that you mentioned it oh very obvious jab that i mentioned out loud. very obvious very obvious so, but th this is this is a massive comic collection that used to run daily in the newspaper and it's it's really hard to imagine a time when the mouse didn't pervade every media outlet when these comics were produced, it was Mickey's first foray into the lucrative comic pages of the day. The editors recount the story of how the strip came to life through research vignettes that are carefully peppered between the serials. The first three months worth of strips were written by Walt Disney and drawn by Ub Iwerks. Win Smith handled it for a few weeks before Godfredson was brought in on a temporary basis that ended up being temporary for 45 years. That's a long temporary position, I must say. Much, much, much longer than I'd assume. But anyways, there are 14 serials presented in the book, which cover from January 13th, 1930 to January 9th, 1932. And the editors went to extreme lengths to secure the actual strips because often they had to borrow panels from collectors when Disney's masters had been damaged or destroyed. Uh, the, the, the strips have been reproduced in a brilliant fidelity. The artwork and lettering stands fresh. Uh, some of the antics may seem silly or overtly simple, but you have to remember the restrictions that a four-panel comic presents. You know, the first panel has to catch up the reader from the day before, and the last panel has to set it up. Uh, and Godfreyson quickly became the master of the medium itself. The supplemental material provided by the editors would shine on its own. Historical context is provided that explains the quirks of the characters as th seen through modern eyes. Yes, there are times when Mickey carries a weapon or when certain ethnicities might be overly generalized, but you have to appreciate the comics as they were presented. The, the final 60 pages of the book are dedicated to essays and archival, archival features. Uh, included are the first three months of the strip before Godfredson took over, and the editors offer essays about the artists that assisted him and how the characters existed inside the world of the comics. This, this is stunning. The historical presentation is flawless, as is the artwork. We meet a Mickey Mouse that very few of us experienced. Uh, when Godfreyson was penning the stories, he wasn't bound to the same code that the animators found themselves having to adhere to. As Mickey evolved on screen to become the charming everyman 
the comics offered a, a Mickey that was more aligned with the earliest shorts. He was more of a good-natured rascal who was always looking for the best in people and in situations. Uh, this is a must-have for Mickey fans, comic fans, and anyone else with an interest, interest in the early years of the Disney company. Uh, you'll garner a greater appreciation for the mouse and how he developed across different media. You'll also get to see Horace Horsecollar, Clarabelle Cow, Catnip, and Butch in more of a starring role as opposed to the limited time magic. Another jab? Uh, uh, uh. Uh, well, it, nah, it could we'll have been subtle until you mentioned it that time. Until I mentioned it again, yeah. So make sure you pick up a copy of this one. You won't be sorry. It's called uh, Walt Disney's Mickey Mouse, The Race to Death Valley by Floyd Gottfriedson. If it's a legend that you seek, come on and take a peek at the window of the week. Buena Vista Construction Company, Jack Rorick's Ivan Martin, Cash Shockey. Now, located above the market house at uh, Disneyland, the window for the Buena Vista Construction Company actually pays tribute to some of the folks who helped with the construction of Disneyland. Uh, Jack Roax was the head of Walt Disney Studios construction. Ivan Martin was a prop maker for the studios and also worked under Jack in construction. And finally, Cash Shockey was a veteran set painter who was the head of the paint department and oversaw all the painting efforts at Disneyland. So the Buena Vista part of the sign is an homage to the home base of Walt Disney Studios, which is located on Buena Vista Street in Burbank, California. Not in, not in, in Disney California Adventure, so it'll make that clear. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it could have been Buena Vista Street in DCA. Yes, but actually Burbank. Anyway, go on. Anyway, go ahead. So, But in a, in a rather funny turn of events, the Buena Vista Construction Company started as a fake company name on this window, but when they were building Walt Disney World in Florida, a real company was formed under that name. And it still exists today. There you go. A hidden five-legged goat within the window of the week. Wow. Bum. Bum. Do that now. I understand it. Oh, thank God you finally saw Inception. So it's a goat within a window. Within a goat. Within a goat. Within a window. Wow. Brum. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. Now, Big Thunder Mountain at Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom just got a pretty awesome interactive queue. Um, it's not 100% operational yet, but it looks like it's actually going to be a lot of fun when it is done. Anyway, looking at some of the photos uh, of the new stuff, eagle-eyed Camino Corps cadets will notice a, a crate that's marked Western River Explosives. This, of course, is a tribute to the fantastic but unfortunately never built Western River Expedition, one of the greatest things ever designed by Disney legend Mark Davis. It, the explosives were used to blow up the Western River Expedition, right? They, they were used to destroy and blow up the dreams of anyone who ever wanted to see it, unfortunately. Snap. Aw, snap. We're making a lot of call-outs. This is not going to yeah. be a good episode to make friends for us, I think. No. Maybe it's like a full half moon or something. Yeah, we should totally end the episode now. Okay, well, thanks so much for watching, listening, and absorbing. <laughs> Be sure to uh, leave us a <laughs> comment and rate us on iTunes. <laughs> and always send us email at communicorweekly at gmail.com, even if you're calling us out on something. Yeah. You no, know, we that's were... why we're so surly. We got called out. We did. So On the one mistake we've made. Hmm. It's Period. okay. If we make any more mistakes, guys, you should be sure we, to we, email us. We know who will call us out. We, we know exactly who. 
we won't say names again, but no, no, we, no you no. know who you are, one person who's listening right now. Yes. Anyway. Only one person listening. Well, hopefully. Oh, so d- uh, so email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com. <laughs> also, <laughs> if I said it. <laughs> like us on the Facebook at facebook.com slash communicorweekly. Yep, and follow us on Twitter. I'm at Imaginerding, and he's at Jeff Heimbuck. So for Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. And we're out. Pickles.